greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Thanks for tuning in this morning and for listening. And you know that this is the weekend of the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. So a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Becky Griffin with the University of Georgia Extension. She's not only a pollinator health associate, she's a community and school garden coordinator as well and does so much for this pet project, the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. So I want you to take a listen to her passion and why you should just take 15 minutes this weekend. All right, this will be the fourth annual Great Georgia Pollinator Census, and it is for all of our citizens. Anyone can count pollinators. So the the crux for people who have not counted before is you pick a favorite pollinator plant, and that just means one that you see insect activity. You go out and you count pollinators on that plant for 15 minutes. Uh, I always tell people to bring a sweet tea because it's hot in August. (laughs) Yes. And then um, come back and upload your counts. And it's all the information is on our website, which is ggapc.org, and there are events all over the state. It is a time for all of us to get together, celebrate pollinators, and do something for them. Uh, I think our tagline is protecting pollinators one count at a time, and these counts really do matter. And the big news, are you ready for the big news, Ashley? Lay it on me. We are now partnering with South Carolina. South Carolinians can join the census this year. I've been working all summer with my good friend Amy Dabbs over at Clemson. We've been working with educators in South Carolina and business owners and and citizens over there. So they are also going to be counting. So we are transitioning to the Southeast Pollinator Census as more states see the value in recording our populations and doing educational initiatives about them. So it's a big year for the census, and I'm excited to see Georgia come out strong like we do every year to give a good example to those those Clemson, South Carolinian folks on how this works. Congratulations, because in, after just three years of this project being enacted and with the hard work you've done and in Involving master gardeners. Like you said, there are organizations all over the state who are calling on people, you know, come and do the count with us. If you don't want to do it at home alone or in a park by yourself, come join the local master gardener group. But you, with a successful program just after three years, it's in its fourth year, having another state tag on. Like you said, they see the value, they see the importance and why this is so widespread and important. So congratulations, Becky. Well, thank you, but really, um, don't give me so much credit because it's the Georgians, it's the, the the gardeners who are out there who feel as passionate as I and you do about these issues that really make this project work. I'm just I'm just happy to be along for the ride and honored that so many people also feel the same way about pollinators that I do. Absolutely. So this is very similar to the folks that have been listening a long time. You know, I've had Becky on every year of the show to talk about this. And we do the Great Backyard Bird Count in February with um, Cornell University, their lab of ornithology. And so this is, you know, on a much more local scale. But this will probably grow to that size uh, in due time. So the same kind of thing, like Becky said, you just sit for 15 minutes, watch a plant, know the plant you're watching, though, try to figure out the name of it so you can, you know, have that for the record. But 15 minutes, you're watching the activity, how many bees, how many butterflies, who visits it, hummingbirds, um, and let them know. And then so when they have the count, should they just have a black or a regular blank piece of paper? Or is there actually like a little grid that I can get online and mark um, on a chart somewhere? 
Well, there's two ways you can do it. Okay. You can. Uh, we have a counting sheet, and this year, I'm happy to tell you, we have Spanish material, Spanish oh, language materials as well. But right. you can get a counting sheet in English or Spanish and print it out, and it is kind of a cheat sheet. So um, it tells you, okay, this is how you know it's a bumblebee. This is how you know it's a, a small bee. And take that to the garden and use that, or um, it is mobile-friendly. So if you just want to take your phone and do the count, you know, and then take your phone out and upload your counts uh, however you want to do it. But I always like the counting sheet just so a little refresh my memory about exactly, you know, what the definition of a small bee is for the census and that type of thing. But all the materials are there for printout. If you're leading a group effort, um, there's the insect counting guide. You can uh, print that out and use that to educate others on how to, to do the census. So everything should be there. Okay, so the website again is ggapc.org. And if you forget that website, it, it's short for Great Georgia Pollinator Census. So the ggapc.org. And you scroll through about midway down the page, join the count. So there's the directions that Becky's talking about. Um, so if I just do the sheet instead, Becky, and I'm kind of tallying on the sheet, then I do I go to the website and translate it into the website, you know, my count? Right. We will have a portal that will allow you to go ahead and upload your accounts very easily to the website. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting, exciting two days, and I'm really looking forward to it. We have added new educational materials to the website for educators. I spent a lot of time in the winter meeting with educators across the state who wanted to take the census as a curriculum builder and expand exactly what they could do with it. So we have tons of math lessons. We have lessons on literature that relate to pollinators and the census. So every year we get a little bit bigger and we definitely listen to what people want in the census and try and meet those needs. You and the kids go out in the front yard, the backyard split up. You know, one of you go to the Rose of Sharon, one of you go to the milkweed, one of you go to the penta, you know, plant on the back deck in the in the pot and just see the activity there. I think this is a fantastic opportunity to really, you know, Becky, you and I have joked in years past about pollinators are cute. You know, bugs aren't icky. If you really learn what their jobs are in the grand scheme of this world, like you start looking at bees a little bit differently and they're not gross. They're really cute if you kind of watch just how busy they they are. Oh, yeah. And um, every year at the end of the census, I get this over and over, and it's my favorite comment, and it's the most common one. And people will come up to me and say, Becky, I had no idea. I had no idea of the diversity of insects that visit my garden yeah. or the numbers that do. So it really is, um, you know, you're generating great data for the scientists, and you're also getting something back and learning a little bit more about the ecosystem of your own garden. Here I am with Becky Griffin, Pollinator Health Associate, and a question for you, Becky, for educators. uh, Do they need to do anything different or go to a different website to get involved in this? No, it is the same website. Uh, You just click on the Educators tab, and that will give you um, PowerPoint that you could use in your classroom to educate the children on how to tell the difference between the categories. We have um, lesson plan ideas, activity ideas. There's a honey tasting lesson plan, which has been real popular. So, yes, uh, and businesses as well. We have a business tab. If you're a business and you want to do this, uh, and we have several in the state, and you want to create a small pollinator garden and attract people or have your employees count, we have all that information for you there as well. Okay, so ggapc.org is that website. And why just two days? Why just August 19th and 20th? (laughs) 
Well, and, and you know, I get hate mail from places like <laughs> Tiffin every time because it's so hot. Well, we had to pick August. Uh, August ended up being chosen because we needed a time of the year where something is blooming from the mountains to the sea. And we needed a time of the year where we have the teachers are available and able to incorporate this in their oh. curriculum. So that means early spring is out because up in the mountains, we probably don't have a whole lot blooming. Pollinators aren't moving. Uh, Mayish teachers are not interested in anything but <laughs> testing and field year. day and countdown. And we actually did the pilot projects in October and had hurricanes come through. And we also had several days. But what we found is with two days, a weekday and a weekend, people can get excited and stay excited. And it's not too much of a commitment for the average community person to do the census. And Becky, you're such an experienced gardener as well with this last minute or so of us being together. Um, if, if I don't really attract any pollinators to my yard, I don't have a lot of flowers, it's not too late. I can go to the nursery. What were some of your recommendations, maybe just three or four plants that people can pop in the ground now and attract the pollinators? I like to think about right now in my yard, the native Coreopsis is blooming, and I know we, we can get that all over the state. And one trick is to, to bring that plant home in the pot. It's a perennial. Use it for the census, baby it a little bit, and then get it in that yard in the spring or in the fall. Uh, it's a perennial, so it'll come back the next spring. Start looking for some of our, our native asters will be blooming probably toward the end of August. The nurseries have some beautiful asters and even goldenrod. Some of our native goldenrods are now uh, available at nursery. So I think those three would give you a great chance. Or you could visit one of the local public gardens and count with them. So there's lots of options. If you don't have a pollinator garden, don't count yourself out. There are lots of ways to participate. Becky, I so appreciate your time, and I will be talking a lot about this in the coming weeks. Have a great weekend, and thank you for all the good work you do. Thank you, Ashley. It's always a joy. Green Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Easy enough, you could have predicted this one. Number one, participate in the Great Georgia Pollinator Census today. Visit ggapc.org to print out the counting sheet and to get started. Number two, plant and enjoy the climbing vine, Sweet Autumn Clematis. It smells great. Also consider jasmine, too, for blooms into the fall. And number three, pinch growing tips from overgrown coleus, begonias, and other summer annuals, and even mums to keep their compact shape through the fall. So there you heard Becky encouraging you to participate in the census today. But what if it rains? Well, if your area is too rainy to count today, they are extending the counting dates and will accept counts for tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday, the 22nd. And what if you see the same bee or hummingbird that comes to the plant while you're sitting there? Well, Becky says to count each time an insect lands on the plant. So technically, you're counting insect visits. The reason is because you may know that a particular butterfly landed on the plant and came back and it's the same butterfly, but you don't know if it's the same small bee that has returned. So, and some other orders of business too. Be aware of the temperature. Like Becky said, plan ahead. Have a cold beverage if you need it. Don't forget sunglasses, a hat, and sunscreen. Really, you're only out there for 15 or 20 minutes. Notice the time you start counting and know the name of the plant you're observing. And also be ready to estimate the size of your garden or where you're counting. You know, half an acre, look at a whole acre, or just know that it's larger than one acre. 
And lastly, what is a pollinator? Well, Becky says technically anything that moves pollen is a pollinator. So overall, bees are the best pollinators since they have a biological need for pollen and nectar, and their bodies have features that allow them to successfully move it around. Hummingbirds are pollinators as they unintentionally get pollen on their bodies as they collect nectar and then they move it to the next plant. Also consider bats and butterflies, beetles, and other small mammals. And when Becky was on two weeks ago, she was excited to share news with us about the Urban Pollinator Conference. We're bringing it to Athens this year wow. in October. Okay. It is the Protecting Pollinators in Urban Landscapes Conference. And you can just, uh, if you go to protectingpollinators.org, It'll give you the information, and I will. It's October 10th through 12th over at the Georgia Center on the Athens campus, yeah. and I will tell you and all of your listeners a secret. When I'm on the planning committee, and when we were deciding which speakers to ask, I put my wish list out there. So I am thrilled that we are getting people from all across the country who are experts in their fields coming to Athens to get together and discuss pollinator health and um, trends and what people can do and what is being done. So I'm really excited about being able to have that conference in Athens this year. Now, if I share information for that conference that runs October 10th through the 12th, can just your regular citizen register to be a part of that? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, it is a bunch of volunteers planning this, so it's taking us a little bit longer. But yes, it is for if you're a master gardener, especially somebody who wants yeah. to learn a little bit more, somebody wants to see what's going on in the academic field of pollinators, there will be takeaways for everyone that will be able to take, take away something that will help them improve how they garden for pollinators. I guarantee that. So with the conference that Becky mentioned or any events you hear me mention on the show, including different master gardener groups around the city and even in Plains, Georgia, I've got all of those events listed on my website. When you go to wspradio.com slash green and growing, scroll all the way to the bottom, look for green and growing events, and there you can find all of the things going on. And you know, fall is already picking up. Things are getting very busy, so there's a lot on the calendar there for September and October. My thanks again to Becky Griffin coming up at the bottom of the hour, talking to Pike Nursery, how to create a moon garden. That's a new topic. I'm excited to hear that. So stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Almost finished. Three hours have gone by quickly on green and growing. Glad you're here on this Saturday morning. Yeah, there's a chance for rain throughout the weekend, but you can plan accordingly. Now, this is my favorite part of the show. Always have an expert on from Pike Nursery to share some new information with us. And in doing the show for almost three years, I think this is a topic we've never covered. I've got Brittany Harper from the marketing team at Pike Nursery, how to create a moon garden. Brittany, what a fun topic. Right? Isn't it so fun? Especially for this time of year when it's really hot and gross during the day. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right because I've been talking with friends and my parents who are suddenly, you know, well, gradually, I guess, starting to realize like, huh, sitting out on the back deck is actually pretty pleasant now in the evening times. The temperature's slowly, you know, starting to cool down from those 80 yeah. degrees to maybe the lower 70s. So a lot more time to be spent outdoors and combating those bugs and things, but really enjoying your outdoor oasis when you've got the time. So a moon garden, an, a garden or an outdoor space that can be enjoyed day or night, 
and it's great for the dog days of summer. So you've got some great tips and ideas of how folks can create their own nighttime garden oasis. Exactly. So first and foremost, I mean, you mentioned it, the bugs. First, put your bug spray on, y'all, or grab you some citronella candles. I know I'm dealing with pesky mosquitoes myself in my own yard. So they're still a thing, even though you're dreaming about sitting outside in the, in the evening time. Uh, second of all, you want to think about fragrant plants. What are those senses? If you Even if you can't see as much, what are the senses that you are enjoying? Obviously, sense of smell. So plant those fra- fragrant plants that you'll be able to smell as the breeze drifts by. Gardenias, roses, lavender, all great examples of things that you can plant um, that you'll be able to enjoy at night. And still have and those herb thing. gardens going strong, too. You know, yeah. if we've got anything in pots by the kitchen door, door for easy access when we're cooking the basil and thyme and rosemary and stuff. That's all going to be great too. Absolutely. That's a great point. And then after that, you want to also think about colors that are going to reflect the moonlight, uh, which are going to be like your white and silver. Those are going to reflect that moonlight more easily than say purples and pinks and whatnot. So white blooms, Whiter silver foliage are great examples of things to have incorporate into your garden. Obviously, you see them in the daytime, but also at night. So things like Finca and Begonia, sun or shade options of, you know, some white summer flowers. Dusty Miller, Lamb Deer are great ideas for that silvery foliage color. Um, Caladiums and Hostas, you know, you've got variegated options for those that are going to have some white in their patterns. And then, of course, your blooms, hydrangeas. Uh, you can get the panicle versions like limelight and stuff that have white flowers. Uh, crepe myrtles also, white crepe myrtles will be beautiful. Again, those gardenias I mentioned, white roses, those are great examples. That's a really, that's going to give it a nice feel. Yeah, reflecting that moonlight on the nights when mm-hmm. we don't have clouds. Unfortunately, the end of this week was uh, <laughs> was not so nice. But yeah, great ideas. Thank you. Absolutely. And then beyond flowers, you also want to think about all of the um, accessory options that you can use to kind of make that nighttime outdoor retreat just feel uh, really sumptuous. You want to think about obviously solar powered lights. They've got that really pretty romantic glow to them. String lights. Uh, you can use stakes, garden stakes, you know, along a pathway or in your pot. Orbs, lanterns. I mean, so you can have that. You, you don't have to just stick to white with that. You can also incorporate color with that as well. So think about, you know, your string lights overhead, garden lights, you know, kind of lining the pathways or along uh, your, you know, your edges just to kind of create a romantic glow there. And then also a water source. So you you may not obviously can't see the water at night, but it will reflect that light. So from the moon, uh, you know, from your your solar lights, you'll still get that, that little gleam across the top of the water surface there. And then also, people may not realize this, but the sound of running water, like from a fountain, when it's really hot outside, that sound kind of helps create like a psychological cooling effect. So hmm. think about like when you're sitting at the beach. It's hot out there on the sand, but you hear that ocean sound and it kind of just creates like a, a calming sensation for you. So a similar idea when you're hearing like a water, uh, a running fountain. I can kind of see that. I can kind of see yeah. you You are not hot and miserable at the beach as if, you know, if you weren't by the water, like if you're in your driveway or your yard, you're dying, sweating to death. But yeah, having <laughs> the sound of the ocean rolling, that, that probably does kind of relax you and cool you off a bit. Yeah. Of course, the ocean breeze doesn't hurt a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, boy, that's stand right. nearby. <laughs> And then lastly, think about your accessories, like I mentioned. So pots, you know, you can have a white glossy pot. They'll be like reflective surfaces uh, surfaces again. You can incorporate light colors uh, as well in things like your toss pillows or 
you know, gazing balls or different little um, decorative features that you might want to have on your patio or near your your patio uh, furniture. So, yeah, lots of different ways that you can kind of just create this uh, romantic feeling nighttime moon garden. Well, and, you know, you added a a water source for the sound, and I like the idea of chimes, too. I know you probably don't get much of a breeze at night, but when you do, those wind chimes sound beautiful. And you can always tell when you go into a store as well if there's a kid, you know, at one of the Pike Nursery locations playing with the wind chimes or whatever. That is a cool sound to hear right as you walk in. You're right. That's a very good idea. I didn't think of that. That is a very pleasant sound. Perfect addition. So how to create your own moon garden. There are some great ideas from Brittany Harper with Pike Nursery. And Brittany, you guys have really had some, you've been very active this summer with some amazing classes for a lot of your customers, most of which are free. I think the latest two that were a big hit were the deer-resistant plantings a couple weekends ago, or maybe last weekend, one on house plants, and y'all have yet another one coming up. Yeah, the one that's coming up next Saturday, the 27th, Gardening for Beginners, has been we were seeing a lot of good signups for that. There's still plenty of space at all of our stores that are participating. Uh, so if anyone's interested, please do sign up. But, um, yeah, I'm very pleased to see that there's so many beginner-level folks that are interested in taking that class. And I am definitely um, – we've got our September classes also listed on our website for anybody who's looking ahead to next month. And then we're working on the plan for classes um, going uh, throughout the rest of the year and into next season as well. So we understand that, you know, that's something that our community really wants from us, and we, were, we loved doing those, you know, pre-pandemic. So we're so happy that we're able to to be at a point where we can bring those back now. I'm very glad they're back and hopefully eventually I'll return to the Pike Nursery stores too where we can invite the listeners in. But for these, for the free classes, Brittany, um, how do I go about signing up? Do I have to sign up? And then do I have to bring anything? You don't have to bring anything. We'll provide, you know, some notes and stuff like that. If you want to bring a notepad or something to take notes on, you're welcome to, but you don't need to. And then uh, we do recommend signing up. Um, you can show up last minute if you want. Nobody's going to turn you away. But we do recommend signing up just so that we know can expect ahead of time how many uh, folks to have and have enough chairs and supplies and stuff like that. And you can go online to pikenursery.com, and you can just search across at the top for our, our, our events uh, tab, and you'll, it'll take you right to the, the place to sign up. Yeah, very easy to sign up, and it sends you kind of a, r- a reminder that you reserved your spot. Um, 15 Atlanta area locations, Pike Nursery, and a few locations in North Carolina, too. Y'all are all over the socials, so how can folks find you on social media? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all of those at Pike Nurseries. A lot of really good tips there, too. I mean, you guys not only showcasing the flowers and the plants that are in the nurseries, but like tips for, you know, taking care of houseplants. And I think y'all had like a pet-friendly list of, you know, plants that won't harm our kitty cats. Absolutely, yeah. We definitely thrive on, you know, our our people in our stores are so passionate and they love what they do. And we love sharing their excitement and passion and knowledge beyond just the scope of the four walls of our store. So we we share that through our emails. We share that on our website and all of our social channels as well. So there's lots of great great advice and um, inspiration on on our social. Well, we thank you for the tips on a moon garden today. Brittany, have a great weekend. You too. Coming up, when we return, I don't want you to get scammed out of your hard-earned money. So coming up from the Roswell Police Department, a warning for an age-old scam that is new again, a new version floating around. You don't want to miss it on WSB. 
first, I want to remind you to follow my Facebook page. Search Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. There I post a lot of good information, fun pictures. I like you weighing in and leaving your comments as well. One of the latest ones having to do with the former First Lady Rosalind Carter's 95th birthday this past week. So some differences in different butterflies that you may encounter so you know how to properly identify them. Of course, more directions on how to participate in the Great Georgia Pollinator Census. And this was a post a couple of weeks back that was somewhat popular, but unfortunately, not a good reason, right? Scammers trying to get into your pocketbooks and everyone thinking of tidying up their lawns right now. So take a listen to our own uh, anchors from Atlanta's Morning News, a story from Bill Cianchio and Marcy Williams. WSB scam alert. Roswell police warn residents of a scam artist offering to spread pine straw for $5 a bale. Only when he's done, he claims he did, took hundreds of bales and the homeowner owes thousands of dollars. The last victim to contact police paid $2,700. Police urge homeowners to be wary of unsolicited offers and the city of Roswell requires solicitors carry permits and produce them on request. And I got to say, I heard that story and the, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I hate hearing stories like that. want to protect you guys. So with me this morning, I've got Officer Tim Lupo, Public Information Officer for the Roswell Police Department. Tim, really appreciate you joining me this morning. Hi, Ashley. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So we got the word out, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. I'm going to be sharing y'all's Facebook post from last week on my Green and Growing Facebook page. But uh, tell us how you guys got tipped off to this. And as you said, this is an age-old scam. Sure, it's been going on forever, but how did you get tipped off this time around? This is a pretty typical scam that we see, you know, popping up a few times a year. In this particular case, we had been alerted by the homeowner and some family members after the fact um, who kind of found out that this person had been scammed, that they weren't dealing with a very legitimate uh, business. And it just something doesn't settle right, you know, and with us promoting so many home contractors and things here on the radio station. A lot of us, Clark Howard, Dave Baker, myself, warn you about paying up front. You know, always be leery of that or, you know, agreeing to pay a contractor even half up front before the work's even done. But in this case, how can a homeowner possibly scaling their yard thinking, oh, I don't know, that may take 30 bales of pine straw. And then you get the invoice and it took 90. I mean, how how do they have a leg to stand on? So it's really best to try and agree on as much information and, and contract as much up front as you're able to, um, and trying to use those same reputable and vetted companies to do your work as well. These kind of unsolicited offers that we see in these landscaping scams are, are, should be viewed with a, a very healthy degree of skepticism. And so what would you say to the homeowner who may be listening, Tim, that has had something similar like this happen to them before, but they just didn't want to come forward or they didn't want to be a burden on your department? How would you encourage them to share their story? That you are in no way being a burden on our department, and this is what we're here for. You know, people are victimized by these individuals, you know, every day. And it is our job and our responsibility to investigate these claims. These scammers will typically resort to intimidation and scare tactics and can be very convincing to get people to pay them. So there's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed for. And we would love for you to contact us so that we can begin that investigation and prevent these people from scamming other people in the future. And I love that now police departments are so outward facing on social social media and y'all use those tools to be able to be in touch with the community and engaged and get the word out. So uh, I'll let you give the Roswell Police Department a plug. How can folks follow you even if they don't live in Roswell? It's okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on any of our social media sites at Roswell GA Police on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, that's a great in place to find information about ongoing scams, trainings, just information about what's going on in the Roswell community and beyond. But also we would continue to encourage people to share this information beyond social media with their friends, families. The more people that are aware of these types of scams that are going on and the tactics that are being used in them, the fewer victims that we're going to see. Very well stated. Officer Tim Lupo, Public Information Officer for the Roswell Police Department. Thank you so much for your time this morning and for what you guys are doing to keep the citizens safe. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and helping us to share these scam tactics with our community. So if something like that has happened to you, don't be embarrassed to report it. Here, there, Roswell Police Department and, of course, other local jurisdictions want to know so they can catch these guys. Well, coming up next Saturday, I bet you all will be thrilled to know Mickey Gasway will be joining me. Of course, her home base, Pike Nursery, there in West Cobb. So she'll be along to help answer some of your questions as well. And we're getting into the busy time of year. I'm taking lots of field trips. So you'll be hearing lots of stories as I move around the state come September and October. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back with you next Saturday on Green and Growing.